really happy to be here. I hope that after the episode, you won't stop being huge fans of our work. Welcome to the FS Jam podcast. Today we have Yuri Goldstein with us. Hi, everyone. Why don't you let our listeners know who you are and what you're working on? I'm a founder and a member in a group called The Guild. It's a group of open source developers, and we build a bunch of uh, open source libraries. We use all of them with our clients and mostly focused around GraphQL, but not necessarily. Basically, everything that we see that could be better, we try to contribute. And if we can't contribute it, we build it. So that's us. How many tools are there now? I think you have like over 20, right? Oh, well, yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, for a while, we didn't even have a website. Recently, we started, we opened the website just so people could see all the tools in one place. Because part of the philosophy of the guild is it's also kind of distributed. So each one of our libraries are not under the guild org in GitHub, but it's under uh, basically people, individuals' names. But now in the website, you can see them all together. It's uh, the guild.dev-guild.dev slash open source. Yeah, there's a bunch. I can go through all of them, but I guess the famous ones are like GraphQL Code Generator, GraphQL Inspector, GraphQL Mesh, GraphQL Tools, GraphQL Scalars. Uh, you can see the, <laughs> the resemblance in the library's names. There's also a bunch of stuff that are coming out soon that we can also talk about. But yeah, there's a bunch of them. I can talk individually on each one, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's great to give some experience. I was looking for a solution to integrate third-party APIs into my application. I run quite a complex Stripe application that normally requires me to return loads of fields from Stripe. The biggest problem with this is Stripe's API is massive, tons of variables, tons of enums, you know, union types, everything. What you could do is what I did, download the Stripe API.js and then manually write the GraphQL types myself, basically typing Stripe's API from their documentation. And then Stripe changed their API and I didn't notice, errors got made. And then I'm like, this solution is good enough, you know? I don't have enough time to constantly make sure that my graph is always up to date with Stripe and vice versa. One of the first solutions I looked at was GraphQL Mesh. I was recommended GraphQL Mesh from Peter Pistorius, who works at Redwood and Snapler. He basically said, yeah, the guild are like the Avengers of GraphQL. Each one does something, uh, as you said. While I've not really played around with many of them, the two that really caught my interest are GraphQL Mesh and GraphQL Sofa. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. First of all, about your experience with GraphQL Mesh, you know, when you go to the Stripe API, you actually are in the best position, right? Because Stripe are pretty good at like creating APIs and SDKs and you know, if you put GraphQL Mesh on top of Stripe, it's cool. It's even like a bit better. But, you know, the stuff that Stripe are doing is actually pretty good work. So it's still beneficial. But when we actually looked at this solution, 
when when I started thinking about like where would I use it or why the initial idea that I had about it was more about like internal APIs. Like we worked with a lot of like large clients that have tons of teams all around, and it's all one big mess, and nobody knows, you know. What APIs we're using? Nobody can. Nobody coordinates any schemas. Sometimes, like there's no even not any schema, or if there's a schema, it's a very outdated one with all kinds of weird technologies. And we started saying, why won't we use all the power of GraphQL, but over those APIs? And how could we integrate it? If you break GraphQL into smaller chunks of why would you want GraphQL, like small ideas, like the first idea is, first of all, you have a schema, like you have a representation of what you're going to get. And then, so we started thinking, how could we get that over other sources? Like, could we take Open API or Swagger and generate from that a GraphQL schema? or could we get like a gRPC schema and generate from that GraphQL schema? Or maybe even we could just take, you know, in most cases, just the data that flows already in the network, turn that into, let's say, JSON schema and turn that into GraphQL schema. Then you would get this like great experience like you now get with GraphQL Mesh over Stripe, but over APIs that are way, way worse than the Stripe API and the Stripe SDK. Yeah, so that was the idea. And the, the origination of this idea was actually, you mentioned Sofa was exactly this, just the other way around. Like, I thought, okay, so if GraphQL is so great and everyone is comparing GraphQL to REST, in my opinion, like GraphQL is kind of like REST, but with more features. So just to prove my hypothesis, I should be able to take a GraphQL API and generate a RESTful API out of it. And that's so far. It's basically the other way around. And it's not like it, it was hypothesis, but it was for a real use case. Like the actual first use case that we use it, we, we had, again, like a huge client and we rolled like, a huge GraphQL gateway, but the mobile teams didn't want to use GraphQL. They were like, yeah, it was pretty early on and GraphQL was very new and they thought like, yeah, this is a hype or whatever. They wanted to work with REST, but we didn't want to maintain two gateways. So we just generated, like we built one GraphQL gateway, we generated the RESTful APIs, which were amazing because they were fully documented. They had like open API schemas and everything because you just take all the information you have in GraphQL and generate open API from it. And the best thing was also when they asked for, let's say a custom endpoint, it was just as easy as just creating a query and giving it a custom REST path and that's it. And now like, instead of like, you know, making a huge tons of work to create a new custom endpoint, it's just a query and a path and that's it, like one minute and you're done. One of the biggest things that was like a wow moment for me with GraphQL Mesh, I wanted to add CMS data into my application. So I already had a GraphQL endpoint that was, you know, your CRUD application from the database. I wanted to add CMS data in there. I thought to myself, oh, I'll make this really easy. I'll go with Graph CMS that will give me a hosted GraphQL endpoint and then add it to the client and it will just pull from either of them. And the problem instantly shown when when you say to like Apollo client or any of them, oh, pull from two different URLs, they don't really do that. They only want one URL to pull from. So 
my first solution with mesh was literally pulling CMS data from GraphCMS and database data from a database that was already a GraphQL endpoint. And that worked really, really well and still is. I use it in production today and that's how the service is. And then my favorite thing about that was that in my GraphQL mesh YAML file, is it YAML? I think it's YAML. I, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. YAML. YAML. Is that it was like five lines of code to literally have two GraphQL mesh endpoints combined into one gateway. And I currently host it in a hosted gateway on a EC2 instant style on DigitalOcean behind Nginx. And it's worked great. Well, that's really nice to hear. I mean, again, like GraphQL Mesh for me is like, it's a lot of different ideas together. And the original idea for me, I didn't even think GraphQL Mesh would actually act as a gateway. Like I thought when we started using this thing is like, basically we had a gateway, we had a GraphQL gateway, but you can think about it as a better data source for that gateway, right? So, you know, Apollo server has this thing called Apollo data sources, which is kind of like, some kind of wrapper around like sending HTTP requests, which is nice, but why not take all those endpoints and give them all the power of GraphQL? Now, at least you have more power while you're building your gateway. Now, later on, when we just started adding more and more features to GraphQL Mesh, suddenly we realized, oh, well, you know, that merged meshed GraphQL endpoint or that you can compile to an SDK can also just run as a gateway. And then with not too much work, we basically like also made it work as a gateway. And now I think tons of people are using it as a gateway and it's really nice. GraphQL Mesh just keeps on growing with the community and what they're asking for. And we, in this case, we started with a cool idea and, and the community led us into way more fancier ideas than what we even expected. In case of my use case where I've said now to the CMS, I don't have to put many wrappers around it. But with the Stripe instant, while Stripe has their SDKs and such, you have to imagine that if you use the GraphQL mesh, it's basically communicating using like curl commands. So what was an interesting concept that I worked out through the mesh, if you attach, say, your Stripe keys to the mesh, and this is just one instance of one API, soon as anybody would fire that command, it would attach them keys. You could imagine where it could go. They could empty your Stripe account, for example. The solutions that came up were by using GraphQL Mesh and some of the plugins, you could then define functions that would run on certain queries and mutations, and then say, back up with a security token or a function call. And if it fails the function, then don't allow them to send the request to Stripe. That to me was like, took a little bit to get my mind around, but it made it super easy to do a lot more things. For example, while I talk about Stripe and the CMS, there's also other third parties APIs I use in my company. And to me, it's just like, I was at a point where I really liked using their like JavaScript SDKs, but now I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm like, can I just put it into my mesh? Because the mesh just unifies it, it formats it all into one format and one endpoint that you could just keep 
adding and adding more services into it. Yeah, exactly. And and I think so. First of all, I think sometimes Mesh can do so many things, and we're a bit behind on documenting everything. I think um, we do have a lot of examples on the repo, like some things that people should check out is the, the actual the examples uh, in the repo. There's tons of stuff there, and we also just added like E2E tests on all of them, so just make sure that they're always running and they're always okay. But the website is a bit lagging behind. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, that might be hard at the beginning or people are not, it's not obvious, but, you know, we really encourage everyone to, once they solved it, come to our docs and help us with that. Because once you've figured something out, you're the best person in the world to document it. Then you're better than me in documenting this thing. Because five minutes ago, you didn't know that. And now you know this. So you know exactly the path that you went through. So it's a very, very valuable knowledge. And it's something that I think for me, so we just created, I didn't publish it yet, but we have a GitHub org with all kinds of shared stuff. One of them is we just published like a contribution guide to all of the guilds uh, libraries. It has a lot of information also about like, you know, how we maintain our libraries and, you know, all kinds of rules and tools and things like that that we use what we say there is like we try to encourage people to make it super easy to contribute and contribution could be also by just documenting something or asking a question we even added video tutorials on how to contribute because it's super valuable for us so and in terms of like the mesh and the tokens and everything again we try to make sure that mesh is just as flexible as possible meaning it could run as a gateway and the tokens could be, you can pass tokens on a high level, but then it could also just, you can pass specific tokens to specific plugins to specific handlers. And you can read those tokens from anywhere. You know, you can read them from like a private place or something like that. And also you can take all of that and just instead of running it as a gateway, you can just run it as an SDK. Yeah, I find the, the flexibility of Mesh to be really interesting and I've been watching mesh for a couple of months now i haven't like really built anything substantial with it yet but i find it super interesting because i actually work for a company called steps in that's building something very very similar and when i first started working for the company a lot of people would kind of compare it to like one graph because it's kind of like a schema stitching thing but as i got deeper into it i realized the rest to graphql thing was actually the thing and the the gateway part was the thing like you were saying so as i started learning more about it i realized it was actually much more similar to something like mesh than one graph and so i haven't really seen many other things like there's graphql portals which is like building on top of mesh which i don't really know anything about but i find that just getting people to understand like what the thing is in the first place is like a huge barrier. It was a huge barrier for me. Like I didn't know what it was when I started working for them. So you really have to like get your hands on it. But as you say, it's really flexible. And so you can build a lot of things with it. So what do you think of as like a canonical hello world example with GraphQL mesh? That's a great question. And maybe that's actually what's missing in the docs. Maybe what's missing in our docs is, you know, four-step tutorial of like setting up mesh. I think uh, that's something that would really help. If anyone out there wants to help us do that, we would love to. I think the Hello World will probably be, well, actually I do have, there is a workshop that uh, Arda and I did. I'll maybe share it. Maybe if, I don't know if in the notes you can share like links and stuff like yeah, that. Maybe absolutely. I'll link to it. The idea is that we take an existing Apollo server with data sources 
and we basically gradually commit by commit, every commit is a step, replacing everything. So the first step is you take the data sources and replace them with GraphQL Mesh as an SDK. So now you still have your original schema, you still have the original resolvers, but the original resolvers, instead of calling data sources, they call SDKs and you get just autocomplete and you know full information about it and everything. But now your resolvers are fully typed, right? Because let's say another tool that we build, it's called GraphQL Code Generator, lets you, let's, if you now have a schema and you write your resolvers, it generates automatically the inputs and the return types of the resolvers. That means that you get fully typed resolver, except when you call HTTP and then it's just one big any. Now you just take GraphQL mesh, you run like one command, generate an SDK, and now this resolver is really fully typed. The inputs of the resolvers are fully typed. When you call the HTTP request, you get back a fully typed result. And the return type of the resolver is also fully typed. So now everything is fully typed. And that's, I guess, the hello world of mesh. Later on, the second step is, okay, now maybe we could actually replace the resolvers and the schema with that schema that is actually being generated by the sources. I wonder too much into that, but slowly we basically replace step by step until we get to the point that you just have a YAML file and you basically deleted all of the other code, like there's no Apollo server, there's no nothing else, and it just works. Yeah, so that's the workshop. I'll send a link to it. And I think maybe we should put it on our website. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And you brought up a really good point there, is Apollo server. Apollo's been, I would guess, the forefront of GraphQL adoption in the mainstream. But I believe that they don't do everything amazingly and it's hard to when you're the de facto first thing to go to like caching of you know their clients and such but i noticed that you supported i don't know if it's part of the mesh graphql helix as an alternative to apollo server and i really wanted to hear why from your point of view it would be better to use something more like Apollo Helix, GraphQL Helix than Apollo Server. Gets confusing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's good. I mean, it means that they Apollo did their work. Like basically now everyone is saying Apollo GraphQL, and that means that you know the brand is working. Yeah. So the fact that you said that you even said Apollo is basically it's good for their brand. I think that's part of the mission. And I mean, I must say that all of us should probably be thankful, first of all, for Apollo, for pushing GraphQL to the popularity that it is right now. I used to work at Apollo. I don't know if many people know that I used to work at Apollo back when it was Meteor and I was part of the team that basically turned Meteor into Apollo with all kinds of ideas in mind. And later on, I left to start the guild for all kinds of reasons. I think the main reason or the difference, I think, with how the guild is structured and how Apollo is structured I thought that there is an also uh, something left there, which is how can we build not only amazing ideas fast, but how can we build long, sustainable open source libraries that basically slowly and surely always gets up to date and the knowledge is like building up and their user, user base is building up slowly and with time, you can count on for many, many years to come. And I think Apollo started very well in that and then 
just because they're building all kinds of things and they're still a company that is venture capital company, so they need to move fast and they need to sell products. Sometimes it's okay if the libraries are just good enough. And I think that's great. But that just means that there's another room for people who wants to build libraries that are constantly pushing the edges and constantly better and constantly being improved. And that's, you know, I build the guild in a certain structure that would lead to those kinds of projects. I think what we are seeing in Apollo Server now is something that, you know, we saw with a bunch of other libraries from other members of the community. It's not necessarily just Apollo, but basically libraries that are really cool. They are becoming super popular. And then a couple of months or years later, they're not being invested on. And they're not also being communicated to the people that they're not super maintained anymore, right? So if you go and look at the, in the case of Apollo Server, there's this big issue around Apollo Server 3.0, you know, what it's going to be and all the great things it's going to do. And that issue is like, I think at least three years old. So I think at some point the community needed something better. Now in that front, first of all, I think Daniel that created GraphQL Helix did an amazing job of basically distilling what you actually need on the server and breaking down those things into something that is extremely flexible and extremely performant. So you can basically work with anything like you can, you know, you can work with the newest web sockets protocol. You can try different stream, all the new stuff you could use with it. Uh, you can work with Festify, you can work with Express, like it's completely flexible, but it's also very thin. It's very easy to maintain. There's almost zero issues with it on the open source on GitHub, which is amazing. I think GraphQL Helix is, it's an example how to build libraries that are just good and are going to be there for the long term. Now, I'll just add, I don't know when the, you publish the podcast, but I'll just add that we also are building now basically a framework around GraphQL Helix. For us, we have a lot of clients. There's all kinds of things that, and we also you know, need to rely on like whatever it is, it's, it's Apollo Server or Express GraphQL or Mercurius or things like that. And they're all fine, but all have certain problems. Like when you want to build a plugin or something, it just works for one of them. We're actually open sourcing very soon a new framework that's called Envelope that basically lets you type in into all the lifecycle of GraphQL itself, of GraphQL JS itself. And the important thing here is that, and it builds on top of GraphQL Helix. The important thing here is that if you once, let's say, created a plugin to, I don't know, connect, I don't know, Datadog, or you want to do caching in a certain way, or data loader, or all kinds of concepts like that, you basically, those plugins can be written once, and we now share them across all of our clients, and it's just super easy. It's like you put one line and it works. You can integrate into that so many solutions from the community. I think it's just another new library that we're open sourcing soon, but I think it's what it's going to do is basically in the big level, in the GraphQL server Node.js world, there was this status quo. Like everything is like kind of okay. Now we want to break that status quo. We want to have like a framework that is just good. You know, it, it has everything you need and it's always up to date and it's fast and you can use it with Express, with Festify, with whatever you want. It's one of line of code to add tracing. It's one line of code to add monitoring. And if you are a contributor and you want to contribute a plugin, now it will work everywhere. You don't need to build it specifically for Apollo or specifically for something else. 
So it's funny that you mentioned it. We're big fans of frameworks here, so we're excited to hear about that. We'll definitely be looking into that. So thank you for sharing. I remember you speaking recently. I think it was it was a conference about GraphQL. You said something about something called GraphQL Hive. Yeah, so that's another thing that we're actually starting right now, even this week, to get early users. We already have a page for people to sign up. One of the things that everyone asked us was basically a GraphQL registry. The idea here is like, you know, you have a bunch of different data sources or different services in the network. In our ecosystem, like everyone thinks it's GraphQL, but it's not necessary. Like if you, once you get into GraphQL Mesh, you realize, you know, maybe all your services are in different protocols. So you have all those different sources and then you have consumers for all those different sources. Those consumers, one consumer could be a gateway, right? Like just a gateway that takes all kinds of different services. Maybe that gateway is a federation, right? Like it's Apollo Federation and it has different of federated services that it needs to go get their schema, run them, merge them, and expose them into one API. It could be schema stitching gateway that we also maintain, and we can talk about that as well. And it could be just, you know, if you're using GraphQL Mesh or if it's a GraphQL Mesh gateway, it could be a gRPC source, a few gRPC sources and things like that. So that's okay, but the question is, where do you get all those schemas? How do you get all those different schemas? How do you manage their versions? And could you look into one place that you could see all your data graph, but being decoupled from the solution, right? Like what if I want to have an overview of all my different data sources, but I don't necessarily want to rely on that one graph to build certain gateway. Maybe I want multiple gateways with just parts of the graph, or maybe I want to take that information and actually compile it into a, mesh SDK like we talked before. So we saw there's a need for basically a schema registry, a place where you could register your different schemas, you can publish your different schemas too, you could read it from, you can manage versions there, you can make sure like if new versions are breaking or not, not only if each individual service is breaking by itself, but also the merge schema is breaking or not. And we build it in a super flexible way. And we saw that there's a lot of need on it in the community. Like people really asked us for something like that because I think the only solutions that they have today for it is basically uh, Apollo Studio. So we saw there's a lot of need. A lot, a lot of people asked us to do that. And we saw there was a need for that. And also what people asked for, a lot of people and a lot of our clients needed it self-hosted. So it's not only like a, a service that you pay for and it's hosted for you and everything. Sometimes you need it self-hosted for a variety of different reasons. For us, this new GraphQL Hive, this is this registry product. We already use it in some of our clients in different constellations. And the cool thing about it, first of all, it's not only supporting Apollo Federation, it also supports schema stitching and regular GraphQL. You could also use GraphQL Mesh to feed into the sources that are not GraphQL, right? So you can now see in your GraphQL registry, you could see open API, and gRPC sources, and you can see them all in one place. And for us, for the guild, this is also something really like personally interesting because what we're gonna do, we're gonna have it two ways. It's gonna be open source, but we're also gonna offer it as a product. And that's our first product ever. So that's cool because I think we always want to just keep doing open source. 
And doing products is not something that we rely on. It's just something we're going to do for fun and see if it works. So it means that this product, if it will work for people and people would want it, they could use it. But if it doesn't make sense for them, we're not putting them hostage. They could just use the open source stuff and that's fine. And we will still help them as we help them with all of our open source stuff. So it's just a try. Something that has just jogged in my memory, one of the biggest selling points of some of the tools that you've been making at the Guild, it's almost like don't rewrite the wheel as you try to modernize. For example, you work at an enterprise company, like you were saying, and each department has a different API. You know, one is open API, one is GraphQL, one is SOAP even. And that's where instead of spending the man hours saying, okay, go convert that SOAP API into GraphQL, you are making products that automatically convert that into GraphQL. Yeah, and also I think for me personally, it's a very interesting approach because I'm no longer biased into GraphQL, meaning I can look at another protocol, I can look at an existing solution, and I can learn from it, and I can compare it into GraphQL. And this is why GraphQL Mesh is so, was so interesting for us because suddenly we, we saw, for example, we worked with Microsoft on like the OData integration because OData is really interesting. Like there's a lot of, you could basically query things with OData. So the combination of GraphQL with OData is extremely interesting. Or SOAP is another, SOAP is a protocol that I used to use myself personally like many years ago, and I hated it. But now I can just use GraphQL and still, you know, query SOAP and get all the benefits of SOAP, even though the query is just easier. And yeah, and I think most of the code in the world is already written. So we need to like kind of like be less. Well, it depends what is your goal, right? Like if you just want everyone to use your stuff, then maybe you could say like, you know, GraphQL is better than everything. All of you need to migrate to GraphQL. But if your goal is to get some shit done, then most of the code and most of the stuff out there are not written in new technologies and are not written in GraphQL. So our goal is more mostly to get shit done. So <laughs> that's, I guess, the different philosophy that we have. It's a bold claim saying that most of the code has already been written. It's a very interesting idea, though, and I very much get where you're coming from there. Yeah, I'm not saying that all, most of the code is good. I'm just saying that it's there. Right? And sometimes, you know, if you do a cost analysis or benefits, like you could leverage a lot of that. And again, like just the idea of, let's say now we're talking about this, you know, GraphQL Hive, which is a very fancy registry and you can do tons of fancy things with it. And it's the most advanced stuff and everything. But now, you know, instead of telling everyone, look, in order to use it, you need to use GraphQL, you need to use our stuff. It's the best. I could just ask myself, why is it better? And could I leverage existing sources and feed those into that and just give the existing stuff, put on top of it the small benefit that GraphQL will give you? It's just, you said you're fans of frameworks. We usually are less fans of frameworks and more fans of libraries because when people tell me like, should I use X or should I use Y? I think the most important question is, why like why do you need what's your need and usually if a framework gives you like 10 different needs sometimes it leads to i don't know not the best solution or like in order to integrate it, it will take a bit longer but if you can identify your real need and your real want and then 
first tackle just that specific thing, I think you would get more shit done quicker and you would move to the next thing in the chain. So I don't know, it's a philosophy thing, but. I'll be curious to see what kind of framework will be created by people who don't like frameworks. So <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a very thin letter. It's how we see it is basically, um, life cycle hooks that maybe were supposed to just be baked into GraphQL JS and they're not, and that's it. And just by exposing those, it's like a simple idea, but then you can build everything on top of it as a plugin. And yeah, I think that by the time that this will be live, it will already be live. So you can go to Dotan Simcha, which is another member of the guild that wrote the GraphQL code generator. And probably under his GitHub, you could find envelope. And that's this thing. So I hope until then it will be open source. So yeah. My final question that you may know of or may not, why does GraphQL Playground still be a thing when graphical is obviously so much better? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I think better is a, is a harsh word, but I would say, so graphical now is, is been in a process uh, of like really rebuilding and improving by Ricky and Ricky has done an uh, amazing job, basically like rebuilding it, integrating it. Then Prisma also contributed GraphQL Playground into the foundation. So the idea is to basically merge them together. I think the, the real thing here is we need more contributors. Like this is a project and I've talked a bit about the guild and the idea of what does it take to build sustainable open source? I think today there's like two approaches that are most common, which is one is like you have this company, it's being funded by VC, they're running really fast. So they build a lot of stuff, but after a while it gets deserted or, you know, it's not super well maintained because the goal is different. It's still good, but the goal is different. Then there's the other way of like foundation work. Like basically everyone contributes some money, like there's the graphical foundation, which we are part of, by the way. And there's a lot of stuff we're doing there as well. But when it's part of a foundation, things are moving very slowly. It's like, there's, it's not personal anymore. Like it's not, uh, I, I believe in like personal uh, responsibility. I think that's the thing that's missing. And I think that, you know, what happens now is that Ricky was, was doing heroic work, but she was alone and nobody helped her. So I think projects like that, it's very hard to find contributors. What we hope now as the guild is we hope to step up and help her because I think She's one of the most valuable members of our community, and I think we could do more. But if anyone is hearing that, I think all of us need help on uh, graphical. So I think if anyone wants to contribute, just contact us. Like, we will help you. We will guide you. There's a lot to do. Um, so I think for your question, I think graphical, where it should be, is like in the less steps of being what it can to completely overcome, overturn graphical playground. but there's still a bit more work to be done there. Well, my favorite things of graphical, and I don't even think it's a core thing. I think it was a plugin that someone from OneGraph made where you could obviously select your things on the left and then it would build like a JSX component for you, like a simple hook that you could then just copy and paste it into your code. I thought that was really innovative in that kind yeah of so this is area. this is brilliant this is brilliant and this is actually work by the one graphical now the idea of the new graphical is actually to make graphical and ricky did an amazing job there build graphical as a thing that could basically 
uh, you could introduce plugins into it. So then, you know, all those contributions, instead of becoming another graphical or becoming you know, another graphical visual editor or visual querier, now they could all integrate into one. And, you know, they, if it's graphical playground or one graph explorer or, you know, graphical, all those, or Altair or all those different things could basically contribute into one project. It's still not there, but I hope to, we could get there soon enough. And also soon enough, there will be grants from the foundation, from the graphical foundation. So if someone actually starts working on that, there's a good chance that if you're doing good work, you could convince the foundation to put some money and to sponsor your work. So like everything in open source, the most hard thing to find is working hands and people want to be there. And and that's part of like why we started the guild because I wanted to build a group that really makes it easy for individuals to go and do that step. And once they do that step, they get all the support they need. So that's the core of what the guild is doing, whether it's related to GraphQL or not. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the open source work that you've done personally, that you've helped facilitate through your various organizations you've been a part of and for just like making GraphQL a thing at all. I would have really loved to get into your your past with Meteor and and all that, but we didn't really have any time. But I'm a big history buff. I really recommend people go back and listen to your podcast episode on Software Engineering Daily, which was like six or so years ago, I think. It's a really good slice of what was happening back then. But um, as someone who like now works at a GraphQL company, and I said this before we started recording, like I really see my career as being built on the work that people like you have done. So thank you so much for all of that. And why don't you let our listeners know where they can get in contact with you and with the Guild? First of all, thanks for having me. And if you want to have me again, I would love to come again. Um, yeah. It was super fun because there's so many things to work on. And I hope that everything we talked about is just the start. But to so first of all, like I said, finally we have a website. So dead-guild.dev is the website. Me personally, you can go to my GitHub, which is Urigo, U-R-I-G-O. Basically on all of our websites and on all of our things, you have like a, an annoying bot in the middle, in the, in the bottom. This is not a bot. This is actually goes to us and you can actually talk to all of us. So contacting us is very easy. Also my Private email is public on my GitHub and my Twitter. So yeah, just go to Urigo and you'll probably branch out from there. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I have found so many of the products useful. And I know in Redwood, some of the open source projects are being used. And my final point, when we talk about frameworks, right now we talk a lot about two, Blitz.js and Redwood.js. The normally biggest decider on which to use is the one that has a GraphQL endpoint or the one that tries to abstract all API calls away. I picked Redwood because of GraphQL instead of Blitz. So it's super useful to know so much more work is still to come on GraphQL. It's stable, but there's still so much more to add. Oh, yeah, we, we should do another podcast just about that. There's so many things that are coming, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we'll get you back on soon.
Honestly, I, dude, I just built my first like redwood step zen project yesterday after spending like two months trying to build without it. And then once I did it with redwood, I was like, yeah, this is like the way I should have done it from the start. <laughs>